I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The Secret Cabinet Hello and welcome to this somewhat festive and Christmassy episode of The Secret Cabinet. I'm your humble translator, Travis Dow, from the History of Germany podcast. This show is produced by Der Budler. And would someone please get these strings of light out of here and all this tinsel? What? I can't work like this. The original was much better because Der Budler German raged, which he just can't beat. You just can't beat German rage. Is this Christmas season annoying you as much as it is me? Or are you such traditionalists that you follow all the Christmas rituals? Because there's also a lot of really strange traditions. And don't worry, I'm not going to tell you the usual stuff like when the first Christmas trees started showing up, possibly around 1491 in Freiburg, at the latest 1527 in Mainz, or how the Advents wreath came about in the Hamburger Waisenhaus invented from the foster Johann Heinrich Wichern. 1839 for his dependents who asked him when it would finally be Christmas. No, today it's about something totally different, namely the Christmas manger. The Christmas manger? <laughs> who wrote this down? You give an intern something to do and then just just once to work with professionals. Okay, so what do we have here? The manger probably goes back to the medieval tradition of weighing the baby Jesus since the 13th or 14th century, nuns in convents started to spread the tradition in a sort of holy game or play to put little dolls in decorated mangers and to sing lullabies. And here tradition started to break out that also happened in private homes. Like in the beginning of the Reformation, archaeologists found objects going back to the 16th century. Here and there, little Christ babies and mangers out of fired clay that were mass-produced in the so-called Bilderbeckern, which are little clay figurines. A different origin could be the religious plays of the High Middle Ages, the important events of the holy story of the living figures that were held in churches, like the Easter happening or Easter play, the pageant of the end of times, and of course, the Christmas pageant. That, for instance, Francis of Assisi held the first Christmas pageant in 1223. As part of the Counter-Reformation, the Catholic orders like the Jesuits and Franciscans tried to resurrect this festive folk tradition. 1562 was the first major in the modern sense, like with all the figurines we first find in Prague, 
like with the donkey and oxen, little angels, and the stall. And it was also set up by Jesuits, first in churches and always more and more in private home sweet homes, where even before the Christmas tree that didn't really take hold until the 19th century, Ah, oh, who cares about that stuff? I think I better start doing this podcast myself again. I'd rather tell you guys something totally different about these manger figurines. Because the exciting manger figurines one finds these days in Catalonia. Next to the usual overrepresented kitsch with the shiny baby Jesus, proud Mary, and the still seemingly somewhat clueless Joseph, who, by the way, was only added to the whole nativity scene relatively late. And of course, above all, a whole manger landscape with shepherds, kings, angels, and among those one regularly finds the figurine of a Catalan farmer in traditional garb, in white shirt, red cape, and matching hat, who, hmm, how do I say this diplomatically, despite the spectacle in the manger, He's, um, in a quiet corner, he's going about his business. The, the figurine in Catalan is called a caganer, which means as much as a defecator or, well, a shitter. Yeah, that's right. Admittedly, this figurine is usually somewhat hidden in the background of this holy happening, but it's there. And in this representation, it doesn't leave anything to the imagination, including the plastic representation of the result. It's fun for the whole family to have the little children search through the nativity scene and surrounding landscape and try and find the half-hidden figure. The tradition seems to be relatively old, even if the poop research seems to still be in its children's shoes. Maybe I didn't express that quite right, but yeah, you know what I mean. Depending on where you look, you might find vague clues on the first appearance of the figurine of the Kaganer, perhaps in Baroque times around the 17th century, but where the idea for the figurine came from isn't known. But maybe even this podcast can bring something to the table. Because where else do you still see a birth scene in front of a manger? Well, of course, on the panel paintings of the Middle Ages and the Renaissance. And especially there, there seems to be a really interesting parallel. But for that, we have to kind of leave the area of Cantalonia and head up towards Flanders of the early 16th century, where the courts of the Earls of Burgundy had their own maltradition, namely through their new, true-to-nature, almost photorealistic representations and their exact empirical observations. Famous are the masters of the times, Jan van Eyck, Roger van der Weyden, Hans Memling, or Hieronymus Bosch. Almost at the end of the epoch of this art school, somewhere around the beginning of the 16th century, we see a young artist with the name Joachim Patinier, born sometime around 1480 in Denant, in what is today the Netherlands, moved to Antwerp, where he's registered in the local artist guild of St. Lucas, starting in 1515. 1520 or 21, he meets Albrecht Dürer, the already celebrated artist of the newly elected Emperor Charles V. Dürer supposedly borrowed some pigments from Patinier. In his diary, Patinier describes Dürer as a good landscape artist, presumably also the first time that someone actually used this description. Why am I telling you all of this? Because we only know of Pateniers, who presumably died around 1524, 
Willie know of around 30 of his paintings, usually of religious depictions, for instance, Representation of Mary, who is in the foreground. But the special thing about Patanier's paintings are the pretty fantastical landscapes with their almost unbelievable richness on details. Oh yeah, and there's one more specialty there. He's supposed to have fallen into the habit, in some of his paintings at least, of hiding a person in the background who is relieving himself with dropped drawers. And already in contemporary times, the artist therefore had the nickname The Pooper, or Defecator. I don't, I don't know how it's translated in English. Deakaka. The interesting thing is that today, of the works as ascribed to him, only two of these figures are found, namely two that were meant for Spain. Patanier had, for the times, a kind of a strange business method. He didn't paint for one patron, but offered the finished works to potentially interested clients. And to his luck, those existed. One of the earlier collectors was Philip II of Spain. And so it's hardly surprising that almost all of Patin's are in the Prado in Madrid. And could this idea of the Kaganer have gotten to Spain through this method? One assumes, namely, that the defecating man in Patiner's painting and the Kaganer's in the nativity scene are symbolically the same. In the far-off landscape in the painting, as well as the scene behind and in the background of the manger, the figurine might be a conscious contrast to the fantastical, supernatural representation, and therefore a drastically human element, which could not possibly be more every day, and also cuts across class and wealth and makes all people the same. Because we all must, um, go. It's fitting that in the modern Catalan nativity scenes next to the classical farmer figurine, always more and more often are modern celebrities in the pose of a Kaganer. And these celebrities therefore take on the same social role as the viewer. From international superstars, athletes, musicians, politicians, anybody who's anybody. And in the European crisis times, one finds often that the Kaganer has been made into Senora Merkel. And of course, on the other hand, the defecating manure, which fertilizes the field, is a lucky symbol and might have a connection to the lucky charms and the traditions of the year's change, which is also a very old idea. And a somewhat strange theory, but therefore all the better, is that the farmers, in contrast to the three wise men with their gold and myrrh and frankincense, didn't have anything to give the baby Jesus except for what they could literally produce themselves. The Catalonians have an already somewhat strange connection to, well, let's say the Christmas business. The Kaganer is namely not the only scatological. There's also the Tio de Nadal, basically the Christmas log, the Yule log, the log with tea. Well, okay, I mean, that's known from different European cultures, a wooden log that is put in the fireplace and then burned on Christmas Eve. But the Catalonians had switched the tradition up a little bit. Because the log isn't just a simple block of wood anymore, but it's a commercially driven teal with a face, arms, and a traditional Catalonian hat. One also puts him in the fireplace, starting in the 8th of December, however, under a warm blanket. And one encourages the children to care for it, to feed it, to put cookies under the blanket, basically, which the parents then secretly remove, and to be nice to it. On Christmas Day, 
The children are then encouraged to beat the log while caroling, to beat it with a stick. Well, not exactly Christmas carols, more like chanting cagatio, like shitty uncle, Christmas shite, pickled herrings are too salty, nougat pieces too grand are much better. And there's dozens of these little tiny wisdoms that they yell at the log. And finally, the children discover what the log brought, well, or what the parents had put under the blanket earlier, usually the named nougat pieces or nuts. And the whole thing repeats itself until the teal is empty and there's only a couple things left like salted herring, cloves of garlic, or onions. And with that, the ceremony is over and you have to wait for the next year. You have it easier because you only have to wait about a week or so for the next episode of The Secret Cabinet. I thank you for listening, wish you nice and peaceful holidays, and stay true. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.